Welcome to the Everything Early Childhood podcast designed for approved providers, nominated supervisors and other childcare leaders. This fun, lighthearted and very serious podcast features weekly episodes on strategy, advice and conversations with fascinating and inspiring people from across our sector. Join the journey and have access to the tools and inspiration you need to create high-performing childcare businesses. Let's get started. Hello, friends, and welcome to this week's episode of Everything Early Childhood. My name is Lisa Brown, and I'm the founder of Platinum Education Group. Now, how are you all? Whether you're in your car, walking, uh, what are you walking on the beach, walking on the road, the park, wherever you're listening to us today, I hope you're all having an amazing week. Um, I do need to say that it has been one tough week um, for me this week, and I think we wouldn't be human without admitting that. So this episode is a little bit delayed because I decided to um, live by example and by my own advice and just take some time um, to myself and literally have a bath and do some self-care. But what we wanted to do this week um, in our podcast episode is um, we asked some questions on our socials. Um, so we're going to be answering three of those questions today. Um, and I thought that it would be an amazing opportunity to have Jake join us once again. Hello. <laughs> so we're both here um, in the office today and um, yeah, thought we might um, get both of our perspectives in answering these questions from our listeners. So um, welcome, Jake. Thank you. Thanks for having me. No worries. Thanks for coming on. Um, so the first question that we've got um, to uncover mm-hmm. is, how do I get all staff to be involved and contribute to the program and reflections? Oofed. Yes. It's one of, the, one of the big ones, one of the most common ones, I suppose. Yeah, and what I wanted to talk about before we delve into the questions, because we've got questions about program and reflection, QIP, um, and also getting family input, which Mm. can't wait to delve into. But often we talk about the three um, most challenging areas to get exceeding. Mm. And it's funny because these are the three most challenging areas to get exceeding. And often we find um, in services that it is getting that parent input and community involvement that does stop, you know, because we know to get exceeding that we need to get meet all of those three exceeding themes. Yeah, and I guess it's one of the mo- most frustrating parts. We, we're speaking with people every day. We're getting feedback constantly. It's just an extra job to have to document it so that we can prove it when we need to prove it. And having that evidence. Yeah. Yeah, so I think that when you're um, – that's the, that's the key, isn't it? And that's sort of like the message that we're relaying over and over again to clients. Mm. A lot of the answers to these questions will be pretty similar because it's just getting things out of your head and onto paper so you can prove it when the time comes. And having sort of a system yeah. to be able to um, document and refer to those exceeding themes yeah. um, and the evidence for those exceeding themes when you need to. Because yeah. that's sort of where a lot of services are falling down at the moment is that they are exceeding and they should get yeah. exceeding. But and the actual fact that they can't show that evidence and where that has informed their practice. Yeah, I've had a quick glance at some of the questions while they're coming up and there's going to be a few similar answers, I think. And I guess the main one is just make it easy. Yeah. Try and make it easy on yourself is in, in everything you're doing. 
Um, yeah, and I'm interested to see if you or not you and I have the same perspective. We usually don't, but we'll see how we go. <laughs> we usually do not. That's <laughs> correct. Um, but look, I think it's good for people to hear different perspectives. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, so let's delve in. So sorry. Back to question one. What was it again? Yeah, how do I get all staff to be involved and contribute to the program and reflection? So you can go first. Well, what did I say earlier? Just make it easy. Um, yeah, you need to be making the the process for for getting those reflections and documentations down as accessible as possible, and with that that'll get harder and harder with the more people you have on your team because you've got to accommodate plenty of different um, different styles of of documenting and and educating. But um, yeah, yeah, just making sure that that your your programming process is accessible easy and and works for everyone um a lot of the time sometimes you'll have a few educators who have particular strengths in certain areas of using that system and it's just making sure you lean into those and then and then helping support those who who might not have those skills a big example of that would be technology so um I know it's it's not so much of a big thing anymore but I remember about five or ten years ago there was a really big push towards um digital technologies and there was quite a big uh like divide in who is able to to access those and who who isn't um but yeah it's it's just making sure that you're not trying to fit a fit a round peg into a square hole is that how it goes um square peg round hole yeah either way one of those triangle peg Mm -hmm. hexagonal hole yeah just just making sure that um yeah you you there's there's some some barriers you just can't overcome and just making sure that that yeah everybody's able to contribute somehow and if if the team as a whole aren't contributing to the programming and the reflection then i would say that the issue isn't the educators it's the system yeah and we have a well i have i don't know if jake says it often but i always say that if um you can't explain your programming cycle Mm. um in 15 minutes it's Mm. too complicated yeah and often we just, in early childhood, what we find in services is that they just continue to stack, 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 stack yeah. things on top because of things they've heard in the sector, things that other people are doing yeah. without actually auditing what they currently are doing for their cycle. Yeah. And I guess not just explaining the programming cycle, but uh, like anyone can explain the cycle, it's written in the EYLF, but how you actually do cycle within your service that's that's the crux of it and, and that's the that's a really important bit that that you'll have to get your educators around and on board with is how you're actually doing each part of that cycle each part of that cycle and that's yeah. and that's the part which is up to you like the the yeah. programming cycle is a programming cycle that's 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 given to us we know what that is mm-hmm. how you do it though that's that's completely up to you and it's up to service leaders and educational leaders to be making sure that the way they do the programming cycle fits within their team and their culture and their skill set and and everything. And I think that the key is knowing your people. Yeah. So the better that you know your people, what their strengths are and where they struggle yeah. is that you can better support them to facilitate that. Yeah. And also I think remembering that each of your team members is at a different level of yeah. knowledge. Yeah. Um, and so even if you have team members that are, um, you know, all the way at the top of that knowledge scale, they know it all, you will also have those educators that do not. Mm. So um, before we ask for any feedback, before we introduce any system, 
them, it's really important to make sure that you're building up that knowledge and and talking about why you're doing it so that they have that foundation to be able to understand the importance and the purpose yeah. of it. And engaging in that process of reflection regularly as well. Like um, if you if you've had the same team for five years, then fantastic. You're in a very lucky spot. Well done you. Um, if you're if you're not, however, and, and you and you have you might have a slightly different looking team to what you had a year ago. Well, then it's time to be reflecting on your programming cycle because, um, yeah, the programming cycle, the way you do it needs to be reflective of the team you have at that time. Um, and a lot of the time it can be really handy having a second pair of eyes point this out to you because we all we all we're all creatures of habit. We all get stuck in in the ways we do things and we um yeah sometimes it takes a little nudge in the right direction to show us that hey maybe it's time to shake things up a little bit um yeah and 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 like it's it's another thing to do and, and we're all trying to find less things to do and save time but um yeah in the long run if you're trying to get people contributing to your programming and nobody is then yeah it's, it's time to look at it and review it review and reflect around that cycle and so if we look at the components that are required in that planning cycle you've got and I think really understanding because a lot of services just do things because they think they have to Mm. or they think that you know all of these people are talking that you need to do one cycle per month on each child is that the case no No. (laughs) so really understanding the requirements Mm. the legislation breaking it down so a sequel have a really great document um, literally the planning cycle it has reflective questions for each part of that cycle um, that you, your educational leader, can work through and um, determine whether your current cycle is meeting those requirements mm. or most of the time we find that services are just going too overboard. Yeah, just too much. They're trying to do too much in the in the hope that if you're doing too much then something's bound to fit in the right place kind of thing. Yeah, um, and and I think that there's been a lot of misconceptions that I've found around like what exceeding in your planning cycle looks like. Mm. And it doesn't have to be complicated. No, nah, like, not at all. So doing, doing the quantity doesn't equal the quality. No. So it's really about just looking at the quality of what you're doing. So if we break down the planning cycle for anyone listening um, that is at that, um, mm. you know, foundational, um, has a basic level of understanding, it starts at your like observing, collecting information. So this is how you're looking at the child, their current knowledge, strengths, ideas, skills, abilities, culture, how you're really drawing and getting that information. So that can be through observations, through the family's enrollment form. Um, that can be through any means necessary, goal sheets. Mm. Um, what else is that? Well, with, with everything we're going to be going through, there's no how-to guides on it. It's just telling you what you need. So yes. it, it can be anything. If we're talking about observations, we're all as humans observing every single day. I'm, I'm certainly not carrying around a little notebook and writing down every single observation I see when I walk down the street. I just remember it and it goes in my head. Um, so we do need to show evidence, but it doesn't need to be written. You can do photos, videos, recordings. And that jogs my memory about Mm. being excited about what you're documenting. Mm. So like there's nothing worse than being an educator sitting there feeling like you have to document everything or have to document something. Yeah. And it, it, yeah, this is the very start of the cycle. So if you're starting off from a boring place, (laughs) then the rest of it's going to be pretty boring. Like a big, a big thing what often comes up is 
people taking observations. And one of the first things what we can observe, this child's using their right hand, their pincer grip. Oh, God. Like, yeah, great. They've been yeah. doing that for the last six months. You how don't need that, to write it down. Yeah, how is that meaningful? How yeah. is that to that child and their yeah. journey and the purpose? Yeah. Not saying that doesn't have a purpose. Absolutely not. But, like, we have a big belief that it should be, you know, meaningful moments, magic in, in, interesting. moments. Like, it just yeah. needs to be interesting. If it, Like, if... If you're not interested in what you're writing down, then chances are you're writing it down for the sake of writing something down because you have to. Yep. And we say like it's one of those moments that if you're excited to share Ooh. it with someone, then write it down because yeah. chances are that it's meaningful to that child yeah. um, and their journey. And it's that stuff as educators, when we walk into services, we'll say, um, tell me about this child. And a hundred times they'll be the educators will get so excited. So much to say. Their yeah. eyes will light up and they'll be like, you know, blah, 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 and tell us all of these things. Things, but then we'll ask, show us where it's documented. Yeah. And that's where it falters. That's where it falls down. That they are documenting. They're doing the whole cycle. Mm. But what they are documenting has no meaning or purpose to yeah. that child and painting a full picture of them across a period yeah. of time. I mean, I guess it's a bit of a catch-22. Like, we don't, we don't want to be writing things down for the sake of writing them down. But a lot of the time, you can be stuck in the habit as an educator of... Well, your director is telling you to write something down yeah. and is telling you you need to get this observation done within this time frame with this amount for this purpose. Well, okay, fine, I've got to do it. I'm just going to come up with something quickly to get it done, um, which is, yeah, it's a very easy, easy trap to fall into and I guess that's kind of the one we've got to climb out of. Yeah, and really make sure that it reflects the whole child. So we always start um, and recommend starting or educational leaders starting with giving out the developmental milestones yeah. that are relevant to that age group so that they have an understanding of that foundation. Um, and then, of course, looking at those um, EYLF outcomes um, that will obviously paint the picture of looking at the child as a whole. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you've got the developmental outcomes or there's there's plenty of tracking systems out there and just, just whatever tools you can have to kind of make sure that you're able to cover the whole child, not just their right hand pincer grasp. Yeah, and don't overdo it, like really yeah. simplify, um, especially this part. And I think my opinion is the more information that you collect, um, and we're not talking about like full page observations here, but the more information that you can collect, like little pieces of mm. information to inform the whole picture, I think is much more meaningful. And it'll make it easier for you later on in the programming cycle. The more interesting observations you can get the easier your job is going to be later on when we have to analyze yes. those and reflect on them and plan for them just do yourself a favor and get interesting information observed and as much of it as you can do and the interesting thing with eylf 2.0 which got my mind ticking 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 um is that the children especially in like a three to five year age group they can document their own learning yeah yeah, absolutely. So, um, I mean, how powerful is that that you can get the child involved in actually documenting their mm. own learning? Yeah, and that's an exceeding theme involving the child in 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 their own um, in their own programming cycle is a pretty awesome thing. Yeah, well, I mean, they're part of your community. Yeah. Absolutely. All right, so our next stage of the planning cycle is our analysing. So we've gone over observing, collecting information. So really ref critically reflecting your service with how you're doing that or how you can do that and what you can add. The second part is analysing learning. So what does the information tell us about what and how the child is learning? Mm. 
So, I mean, this is this is different to critical reflection, I think, is, is worth a mention. Um, at this point, we're just looking at the information we've gathered. So you can be pretty clinical about it. Um, I mean, if somebody handed me a, a, a good observation, I'd be able to analyze it without even knowing the child. Um, and I guess here, here comes into the quality of the observations, making it easier on you and your team. Um, like a lot of the time it, programming might be running late because this one particular educator was away for half of the month and then you start falling behind and well, well, such and such is away so we weren't able to, to complete this programming cycle. Well, you can you can mitigate that risk by having good quality observations because then anybody can analyse them. Absolutely. And then this is where you want to link it to the approved learning frameworks. Mm. We actually get a lot of questions, not one that was asked, but it's one that's asked often is do, um, do we actually need to um, state the outcomes in it, yeah. um, in our observations? Yeah. And you don't. No. no. So as long as you're using that language within your analysis and within your observation, it's just that it's informed by an approved learning framework. Yeah. yeah. You, I, again, there's no, and the, never is never was never will be references to how to do any of this it's up to us and it doesn't say that you have to or how to reference any particular documentations within any of your documentations like it it, it can make it easier on you to prove and provide evidence that you are doing that but if you're confident and creative in the way you're wording all of this documentation, then then no, you don't have to go through and just do 2.1. I mean, how many times have we seen documentation where people have literally just copied and pasted some numbers in there and hoped that it'll scrape through? Because yeah. again, it's just, you've been told to do something, yeah. so you do it. Five, six, seven, yeah. eight, ten outcomes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, really? And we start to question like, how meaningful is that piece of documentation? Yeah, exactly. And we get it. Like every <laughs> single observation is always going to be children are competent and involved learners yeah you'll always be able to effective communicators yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah. it's so true and that's what's so holistic about the early years learning framework um is that it does fit in all categories and for all ages um so it's just about looking at um what why and how children are learning um, and what they're learning so then the third section is the planning. So this is the planning. So we have gathered our observations or our data. We've analysed the learning to say this is what Charlie's learning mm. through this observation. This is what we're noticing. Then planning. So what are my intentions for further learning and development and what strategies and experiences will I provide? So this You're is, so good at this. <laughs> so this is where you just get to use all of the information that we've had so far. Like it, it really, really, really is a cycle. And as you're going through the cycle, you're starting to whittle down what you've gathered before and come up with before. So now we're starting to get some really defined things coming out of the the masses of information we've gathered and analysed. So this is where we've, um, yeah, we've got all of our great observations. We've analysed them and we're starting to see some trends. Um, and, and yeah, we're going to plan something to cater towards those. Through the observations, you've hopefully found not only developmental stuff which might be the goals you're working towards but you've also managed to find some interests which is where the the play-based learning definitely comes into play as well and um which i guess yeah doing yourself a favor and making sure that you've got enough observations they're not all super clinical and analytical of the child's developmental progress but just stuff that they're interested in as well because i mean yeah you you need those um and if you've if you've just got one observation of 
yeah, a, a child doing one thing. Well, if you've only observed them doing something, that's not giving you an interest. Mm. On the other hand, if you've got an observation of a child playing with dinosaurs, well, then you've got an interest, but you don't have anything developmental for them to be working towards. But I have the perfect example for this. Love it. Hit me. Great. So um, we had this child. They were still settling. They were two years old. Um, they were still settling into the environment. And so at this particular service, it was city-based. So this child, every single day without fail, would go to the window and just watch the trains. Mm-hmm. And every day. So what we, you know, we could lie. We could say, you know, they weren't painting. They weren't reading. They weren't mm-hmm. doing anything. Their pure interest was to go and stand by the window and watch these trains. Yeah. So we could have had the assumption that they were interested in transport. We could have, but it's addressing their strength and their need, right? Or their interest Mm. and their need. So the interest was actually their parents travelled on the trains to come back to him. So he was looking at that. So actually the need was to help him feel more confident and more secure in the environment. And the interest wasn't in the trains really. It was just in the families returning. Yeah. 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 And when that was happening, what time? So we did, we delved into that. We looked at that. We looked at our whole community as well, Mm. like as a whole, um, got the family photos, got, um, you know, the family really involved in that environment. Um, the family ended up spending a bit more time in the environment with the child yeah. and so that they could start to associate different things with the family. Yeah. And well, since we're, since we're talking about interests, we'll go into it a little bit because it's something which comes up a lot. Um, we, yes, there'll be children interested in trains. Oh, yeah. And yes, there'll be children interested in dinosaurs, like... Of course there will be. And then there's the argument as well, which always comes up. Well, we're, we're doing this because once we're, the educators are interested in it, the children will be interested in it. Um, like, you can get a child to be interested in anything. Like, yeah, we, we get it, but we, we're wanting to be respectful and involve the child's interest. Like, we can force interests on children, absolutely, because they're little sponges and it's, mm-hmm. and it's great and that's what's beautiful about children. Yeah. But, um, yeah, if we're really respecting and, and reflecting the children's interests we should be able to gather some some more meaningful interests than just hey they're interested in dinosaurs like why they're not just interested in dinosaurs they're yeah. interested in in being bigger role than everybody play. else they're yeah. interested in in the aggression from a t-rex they love role playing out that aggression they're interested not in dinosaurs but in connecting with others yeah and how a lizard flies like pterodactyls what even are they it's um like yeah it's you can always always go deeper than than what's an interest at face level and also um just if you haven't listened to our episode on schematic play um go and listen to our episode on schematic uh, play and that will give you a real insight into um i always use the example i thought you were going to say it actually where you know you have a baby and they're just laying down and they're driving the car Mm -hmm. and so the the educators will get really excited that the child's like so interested and so keen in transport so like yes we get to do Mm -hmm. a transport topic or theme but in actual fact, they're interested in a, in a schema, which is rotation yeah. and how it moves, how it rolls. Yeah. So if you haven't listened to that episode, go back. It will be a real eye-opener, particularly for um, educators working with zero to three-year-olds. Yeah. Um, and it will transform not only your way of thinking about play, but it will transform your environment as yeah. well. And because if you're stuck in that way of thinking about interests in... Project-based in, approach. Yeah, it, like if you're stuck 
thinking of it in the sense that yeah, if they're playing with a the train, they're they're interested in trains. Then that that can be where you run into difficulties in coming up with interests in in nursery children and birth to two, like they're because then they're not they're not always going to be picking up a dinosaur to be playing with a dinosaur. Like you, yeah, you can't say a six month old is interested in a dinosaur because they've got a dinosaur. Um. Yeah, and it's often it's often a trend in that um, educators can sometimes struggle to come up with meaningful interests for nursery children, and then yeah, that's when the the thinking about schemas and schematic plays is really beneficial and, and can be useful, and will make it easier for you. Like we're all so about making easy it easy and simple. Yeah, yeah. And um, I know we're delving into it, but it's a difference between open ended and closed ended experiences mm. as well. When you're looking at your planning, mm. so it's not just what you're planning; it's how you're planning. Yeah. And this is when your intentional teaching strategies will come into effect. Yeah. Um, so we really want to look at when we plan and when we encourage clients to plan, it's not just, um, you know, oh, they've got an interest in, interest in butterflies, we're going to do butterfly painting. Mm. That's such a closed-ended experience. Mm. Instead, look at the materials that you are going to put out for that experience. Yes, you can have what we call provocations, which is an invitation for the child. So you might have pictures of butterflies you might do a butterfly painting Mm. and if they want to do that they can of course but have the paper have the paints have the brushes have different materials that they can use to use their imaginations to create what is um, obviously in their minds I think it's also worth saying things do come to a natural end like think like interests dwindle um, and and there can be a natural closure to specific experiences or, or topics of of exploration but given that it's a programming cycle there should still always be something that you take from what you've done into what whatever you're doing next so um yeah just because a, a specific quote-unquote experience is is ending that's that's not a that's not a, a closed book um, it's just it's just moving on to the next paragraph kind of thing. Yeah, so we've been talking a lot and reintroducing an emergent curriculum recently. Um, so we've been helping services to implement that. But again, as we've been reiterating, there is no set um, prescribed with how you need to do something. Yeah, it's your interpretation with how you want. Yeah, to do it and we ca- like we can't sit here and tell you how <laughs> to go to your center and and do this and how to document your plans. Um, like we can explain. Of course, we work with services every day and do audit to make yeah, recommendations with that service. But yeah. with our ten thousand listeners, how yeah. many fifty thousand? Um, yeah, yeah where yeah we can't. Every sense is going to be different. Yeah, uh, and you got to work with your people. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. you need to just look look within and work out how you're going <laughs> to to be doing that and documenting these amazing plans that you're coming up with. Yeah, and what I've seen um, Jake do in the past actually with services is that he'll go in and he will film a video um, throughout the day of the children. It just And it can be anything. Mm. But um, then what he'll do in a team meeting is that then he'll actually go over it with the team and guide them to analyse it and then plan for it. Yeah. And isn't it incredible the different perspectives yeah. it that was we hear? Like I took the inspiration from uh, – I hated it when I had to go through it and so now I'm inflicting that pain on everybody else. Um at, at Macquarie Uni, we we were watching videos on videos of children. Just in in my um, early study days, I thought it was just children just just playing, and of course it was. But the the task was pulling out what 
learning and and everything else that is actually occurring within that play and like literally you can just walk into a room and and this is exactly what I did walk into a room and just film just film what is going on and then when when you're sat down fair enough it's easier in a in a meeting environment for example where you've got no other distractions but when you really sit down and just watch and just really 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 watch this video there's loads happening loads and loads of learning happening and it's it, it was kind of just just used to prove a point that gathering observations and gathering data it's it's always happening all yeah. the time all around you it's um you just need to really focus and and take the time to to be taking those observations down again which i think is worth raising as well you can't write an observation we're going back a few steps here i was on, gonna do back, that back too observations. Oh, i was gonna do that too you yeah. can't write an observation one week after it's happened you just can't and it's it's no. it's not authentic and it, and it doesn't work you can you can make some stuff up that's fine but that's what it's going to be you can try and remember and you might get a few a few bits but mm. and again this is and sorry close your ears if my old TAFE teachers are listening but like I did this on my prac uh, like um when I was studying and I, I had to scramble to get 20 observations done it's ridiculous 20 observations done to get through my prac work <laughs> and I and I only had 10 or something and so I had to scramble to to but it's remember. not and it, it's, to it's just hard. remember. It's yeah. so much harder. It took me a couple of pracs to realise, oh, actually, if I do what I'm supposed to do, it's a lot easier. Yeah. There's, a, there's a reason that they yes. that they tell you not to do this. And, um, yeah, lo and behold, yeah, just it's, it, it's going to be harder on yourself if you're just sat down in programming time, thinking back, yeah. looking back through photos, trying to jog your memory. They're and, not real. Nah, they're, they're, not, they're not authentic. Not they're not authentic. No. Yeah. And the point I was going to raise about going wee back to observation as well was that, you know, perhaps we interfere too much in play. Mm. Like we, I think it's important to realise that children don't need us as much as we think they do. So when we observe, it is okay to stay back and observe them in play. But often we know when adults um, actually intervene and interfere in their play that the play changes. Yeah. And I like, I guess therein lies that how, how, how great a staff setup you've got and how many educators you've got. And if educators are afforded the time to simply take a step back and, um, cause yeah, going back to the video example, it's all well and good to be sat back watching something. But if you like, if you're also having to supervise and look after seven other children, at the same time like yeah it can be difficult so but we're not saying yeah so really consider with how you're utilizing that technology um that's something that we've really been working with with services recently is don't be stuck in front of that screen yeah um because the other big question around observations that we've been really tackling lately is it necessary to have photos with every observation yeah and it's not it's it's not it's um in 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 speaking about the programming cycle there's, yeah, there's absolutely nothing in there what says that, well, like we've been saying, there's no, there's no right or wrong. There's no right or wrong. Mm-hmm. There's no, it's whatever works for the service. There's nothing in there what says you need to have photos. 
And there are so many different kinds of observations that don't get talked about anymore. Mm. Um, And, you know, having a photo was one form of observation. A work sample, which is like, you know, maybe a child's artwork or drawing, like that's one form of observation. Like it doesn't have to be photographs. It doesn't have to be artwork. It can literally just be notes or what we call like jottings. Yeah, but you also don't need to be searching for a specific type of observation to be doing like you don't need to go through a textbook and say oh we haven't done a running record this week or oh we haven't done an anecdotal record this week just just find what works for you and if it's hard then it's not right for you and you need to find another one and do something different because um it should be easy. You want it to be easy. And Our jobs fun, need meaningful. to be easy. Yeah. yeah, find joy in it. Find real joy. I love documentation. Um, I know not everyone is like that, but it is something you that I... lost half the listeners. Sure. It's something that I found real joy and real pride around because I felt that what it did, it actually created meaning for our job, for our role. Mm. And it was why we do what we do is to see that journey that that child takes. And I enjoyed documentation for a different reason. I kind of saw it as a little bit of a puzzle to solve kind of thing. You have all of these observations. Great. Now let's look at them with my analytical brain and, and, and figure out exactly what's happening in them. And then let's use those to, to do, which was the fun bit for me, plan, plan something. And that, that was, that was kind of where I got to flex my creative juices and, and actually use these seemingly completely unrelated um, aspects and, and come up with a great learning experience um, to, yeah, to be fulfilling it. Yeah, awesome. And then with your observations, really critically reflect around if you are gathering a meaningful picture of the whole child, if you're only gathering data from one point in time. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's our advice. So, yeah. we're oh, fast forward. One, oh, no, one, one more, more thing. Sorry, just on the photos again and then yeah. when I'm done with photos. Just don't, don't, don't just explain what's happening in the photo. If the photo, tell, if, if the photo is of a child playing with the train you don't need to say that the child's playing with the train you, you're doubling up on your work the photo the, a, a picture tells a thousand words you don't need to rewrite whatever's in the picture you're just doing extra work and you don't need to love that all about simplifying here at Platinum Ed. All right, so number four of the cycle is implementation. So we've talked a lot about this. So after planning is the implementation. So how will you use the curriculum to support children's learning and well-being, including routines, transitions, interactions, indoor, outdoor, group projects and investigations? I'm really passionate about this. I think what we do um, in our classroom routines, and I call it, you know, if you again, if you haven't listened, it's one, my favourite episode actually. It's maximizing transitions and the times in between the routine. So stuff we do every single day has so much meaning that often we don't have to plan a um, we don't have to plan an experience just to plan an experience. Yeah. Like for example, toddlers if their goal is toilet training, it's something that we're doing in our program every single day. Yeah, yeah. you don't need to have a learning experience to teach children how to tie their shoes. You don't need to have a learning Hygiene. experience to put sunscreen on. Like yeah. we're, we're doing it every single day so really look at how you can maximize those times Mm. and document them because when was the last time that you documented those times in your routine that you do every single day because that is where the most valuable learning is happening already and with your implementation of the plans like uh, uh, um and some centers are, are different 
by them i yeah the 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 half hour experience time for planning your oh yeah for <laughs> programmed for, experience for, for implementing your planned experience yeah like that's 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 running on a high school timetable of of like maths from 10 to 12 whatever um we we we're in a we're in we're in a very lucky educational setting to be in early childhood in that we get to do whatever we want through the whole entire day like don't don't limit your experiences to just half an hour between the 10 and 11 o'clock when the children come inside and before their nap time like it's it just have it out for the whole entire day having provocations out for the whole entire day take it outside take it outside yeah see see where the day takes you but but try not to just box yourself into to these lesson times we're like we're not we're not giving lessons lessons to me speaks of a higher power handing down knowledge to to lesser ones um and no we're, and we're, we're not experiences yeah we're not awarded down um school yeah and um it really um look at if you do feel that your role is to um be teacher-led and to have you sit in front of children and teach them a lesson yeah. and that's your idea of intentional teaching really go back and critically reflect around well that. yeah and in, intentional teaching is a whole other we could have another hour i'm sure there's a podcast topic on that yeah probably that you just go back to the start and listen to them all and then come back <laughs> um but yeah like that's like intentional teaching time isn't a thing it's it's not a thing it's a strategy it's yeah strategies yeah involved. intentional teaching it's a intentional teaching is something yeah you should be doing but you should be doing it from seven till six like until from open till close yeah. your intentional teaching is it's a practice it's not a it's not a set aside a time of the day for intentional teaching and when you start giving times of the day those specific labels like yep it says on the routine between 10 and 11, we do intentional teaching time. What the hell are you doing for every other hour of the day? Are you not intentional teaching that, that time of day? Because if you're not, then you're not doing the right thing. Um, so, yeah, start there. Critically reflect on intentional teaching with your team. But implementation. So how do we simplify implementation? So I guess it's going back to that planning, really considering the interests, the yeah, skills, the needs, yeah. and um, I guess how you can meaningfully I'd, extend on I'd say that. this is the easiest part of the cycle to explain. It's just you just do it. Yeah, but it's it's not just about doing it. It's like you might not even need to plan something. You might just need to add something to something is already out or planned. Like it's it's it doesn't have to be a big, huge, massive, like I'm going to get this out for this child. I think one of the biggest things that we find with implementation or challenges that we find is that um, people feel like they need to plan an individual uh, implement, an individual experience based on every child's um observation or data yeah well i mean that's 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 falling into the the requirement to be making sure that you cater for every Every single child child. Mm -hmm. um like yeah we need to cater for every single child of course we do um but again there's no there's no instructions on how you do that and and you're going to be having shared interests and similar goals and similar interests so just just be smart about it and don't work smarter yeah work smarter don't don't double up Don't, don't do don't do one for one. Yeah. yeah. And even if, like if you're in a service right now, and I guess like, yeah, we, we, we do need to be offering practical solutions for different centers approaches. And some of those I know will be, you have to have a specific amount of individual programming cycles for each individual child. 
that 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 might be the case, and and for those people, like, it's, but why? Really, really, re- like, rebel against yeah, it. Do like question, reflect but on why. It's still going to happen, though. I like, know, I promise that I this podcast isn't going to be changing solve every all problem. Solve every problem. <laughs> so, if that's the case, though, then then I would yeah. say you you can copy and paste your documentation if you if you're doing group exercise like group experiences. Mm. Um, they 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 can be classed as individual ones. So if we used to have a rule that we would only have maximum three to four children involved in yeah. that observation, yeah. just so that we could make sure that that was meaningful yeah. to the like every child in yeah. in that data. Yeah, and if if you're needing to yes fill a quota of of individual experiences for individual children, like yeah, I I would still say that you're able to get away with three of those being pretty much exactly the same because you're going to have very similar interests, very similar goals. like um, Or needs or strengths or wherever they're up to in their development. Work smarter. Yeah, beautiful. All right, and the last step of the cycle, number five, is reflecting and evaluating. So we've um, collected data, we've analysed learning, we've planned, we're doing our planning, we've implemented, so we're doing it. And then the last step of the cycle is to reflect and evaluate. Yeah. Well, and yeah, so this is this is one which gets modelled up with your evaluate your analysis um, side Often, of things uh, yeah. a lot of the time, but it's completely completely different. This is like this is such a deep level of thinking. This is this is often the the most challenging bit. Um, mm. I mean, uh, to each their own, but it's something which yeah, I often had to delve into a lot of detail with with educators I've been working with. Um, it's it's where you're you're looking back at what's happened and trying to unpack not just what happened not just the learning that occurred but why the learning occurred um what influenced that what biases impacted on it what 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 theories were used um it's the yeah this is it's the really in-depth side of things where Mm -hmm. again same as all the other ones there's no right or wrong but um yeah, this is this is where you need to be coming up with some some challenging thoughts and and really questioning everything, and then and your own bias, your yeah. own thoughts around that. So, did it work? Did it not work? How do your reflections give a full picture of the yeah. child? Um, and this is this is a part of the cycle <laughs> which is going to be so so different for every single person. Um, like a, a a good critical reflection should look completely different between whichever person is engaging in the reflection. Because this is the part, the analysis, for example, that shouldn't really be impacted by any biases, any, any, by a lot of things. Very factual, very clinical, very textbook. But your reflection, though, your biases are definitely going to come into Mm -hmm. this. And they should come into this. And you should challenge them. But they're going to be there. Like your culture is going to be coming into this. It's all... Yeah, there's there's so many things which impact your reflections, and yeah, a, a good critical reflection will always look different f- between each person engaging in that reflection. And there's going to be a good blog post coming out about critical reflection pretty soon, so it might be up by the time you're listening to this. Go give that a read. Awesome. So give that a read. Find it on our socials, Platinum Ed or Lisa Brown Platinum Ed, um, and they'll be on there. So we've been talking about the planning cycle for 40 minutes. <laughs> We had intended for this episode, Oopsie. yeah, we didn't intend intended for this episode to be a real quick one, just answering your questions. But I think it was really purposeful to go into real detail about that question. Yeah. So what we might do is, Take a um, break. yeah, like we might even just go, um, yeah, we might even put them as separate episodes. 
Sounds good to me. I think. So stay tuned. Um, next week we've got an episode um, with a special guest. Called, um, her name is Amy Atkinson. So we can't wait to hear all of her thoughts and ideas. Um, and then for future episodes, we'll have two more coming up where we'll answer the other two questions. So how, did, how do I get my educators to contribute to our QIP? And how can we get more family input around service decision-making process? So either we'll answer them in future um, podcast episodes or follow us on socials um, and we'll answer them there. So yep. thank you so much for listening and thanks so much for joining no us, Jake. No worries. Um, and we can't wait to delve into some more questions. But if there's anything that you would like us to cover in further episodes, um, please do get in touch with us. We'd love to hear from you and have an awesome week and can't wait to catch you all around. Keep making every moment count. Thanks for listening to the Everything Early Childhood podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. We read them all. (laughs) To catch all the latest from me, your host, Lisa Brown, you can follow me on Facebook and Instagram at LisaBrown underscore Platinum Ed. Thanks again for listening. Keep making every moment count and I'll see you next time.